I'm joined by a couple of my friends here, and we'll be uh, doing a little review. Um, the Secular Student Alliance had a conference, and Matt Delahunty was there, and he had some comments to say about street epistemology. So we'll be taking a look at those comments and giving our thoughts. Um, so I'm Pierce. Everybody should know who I am. I do street epistemology. This is my channel, so, you know, that's that. Uh, day two, David. This is our first time meeting. If, uh, if you want to introduce yourself, sure. Yeah, I uh, I'm starting street epistemology myself, and I walk around with a cardboard cutout of myself and tell people this is two day David. He was born yesterday, and so we're, I'm asking him what's important in life, and say what's something you think or believe that you want to teach him, and uh, start the conversation off that way. It's pretty fun. Cool. And then anybody who's watched my channel for you know, more than a little bit, we'll know Matt, but I'll let you introduce yourself anyway. Uh, Matt, I have a super tiny YouTube channel called Mighty Conversations, where I post so far just a small handful of recorded interviews that I've had. All right, cool. And if you guys want to check these fellows out, uh, the links to their channels are in the description. All right, without further ado, we will get started here. Highly recommend looking into street epistemology. And I agree with um, Mr. Matt Dillahunty on that. I highly recommend <laughs> looking into street epistemology. Good video. Um, it's not what I do, but Anthony Magnabosco has done stellar work with an idea that was somewhat... It's been influential, but it's not... I don't find it that intriguing for me. It's the Socratic method. We're going to ask questions and we're going to do what we can to ask the right questions. Um, but it's. I, I would agree that the Socratic method is a part of it. Mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit more to it, actually, quite a lot more to it. So you got the Socratic me method, mm -hmm. um, searching for alternative explanations, the outsider test, mm -hmm. um, rapport, Focus on building, epistemology and not just on. Uh, whether or not something's right or wrong. Right, absolutely. Responsible for changing some minds, but it came from a book by uh, Pete Pagosian, um, who's, no, I'm not gonna say that. Um, the book is a manual for creating atheists, and the book is not a manual for creating atheists. It is a, an idea for how to talk to people. And street epistemology is wonderful in getting people to say, hey, what's your confidence level in this idea? And getting them to recognize whether they're being honest in portraying that confidence level, can we change that? And one of the things that people do with street epistemology is say, look, at the beginning of the conversation, how confident are you that there's a God or that this is the right action? One thing I want to make note of, uh, he said street epistemology is really good at making people honest about their confidence. At least I think that's what I grasped from what he was saying. That was the impression I was getting. And I'm not sure exactly what that really means. Is he saying that people are dishonest when they're first starting the conversation? And then by the end, they reevaluate their confidence and it's more honest? Because I think to me anyways your confidence unless you're purposefully being deceiving it, it, your confidence just is what you say your confidence is i mean if you're being honest mm -hmm. that, 
I mean, do you guys disagree with that or? It kind of seems to me like he's saying like our interlocutors are aligning what their actual confidence is as opposed to what they might purport it to be. Okay. That's a pretty charitable interpretation, I think, but I mean, most of the time when you ask people a reason for things, they give a social answer to start off with. I don't think that means they're necessarily being dishonest. I think it's more or less they they've learned this is how you answer that question. And I mean, they might have more motives or more reasonings that they don't express right away, but I don't think that's them lying. I think that's just they're not talking about it in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when you talk about a God belief, because um, this is specifically what he is, uh, whole presentation is about motive, belief in a God. I think a lot of people just off the cuff go 100% just because that's that's what they say, right? In, in, in certain religious organizations, you're taught that you're 100% confident in anything less, that's awful or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that that's being dishonest. I think they actually, in a lot of cases, and, and probably most cases, I would think, they are actually 100% confident or at least, you know, close to that. Right? Um, yeah. I don't know if that's they're really being dishonest or deceiving or if that's not really the case. I don't know. I would want to, I want to know what that means. I, I don't know. Continue on that, or that this is your, uh, that this is what's true, and they say, "Oh, I'm 90% confident," and then they have a conversation for about five minutes, and "Oh, I'm only 82% confident," and my, and I, I love Magna Bosco and Dan, who's actually been. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to point at you. You're not Dan, but it's a couple. Uh, so Dan Earls from, um, crap. I left the organization, and now I can't remember any of the shows. Um, Truth Wanted uh, on on the Atheist Community of Austin Shows Network uh, was somebody that Magna Bosco talked to as part of street epistemology. It's great for stuff like that, but it doesn't create atheists. And one of the things... So, so he said, um, you know, somebody's at 90% and then it decreases. I forgot what number he said, maybe 75 or whatever. Yeah, yeah something. Uh, so that's that's really interesting. I, I think if the the person, you know, says ninety percent, generally speaking, I'm going to take their word for it that they are actually ninety percent confidence. Could they be lying? Sure. Right. Have they, they been asked that be. question before and had to make a real number? No, not not likely. I, I, the thing I don't like about the way Matt describes it here is it it sounds like he sees it more as just a tool to to cause doubt rather than a tool to examine useful things. Like the goal is not to lower the percentage. The goal is to rule out epistemologies that don't uh, actually help the situation. So in the end, if they lower their confidence level, it's because they're increasing their tool efficiency. So, I mean, it's not a, a negative thing. I mean, it's not a, a lose situation. Yeah. And, and I don't think the number is really super important, whether they say 75, 90, but the fact that they're moving down in that number, right, going from the 90 to the 75, so they're 
25 yeah percent lower or whatever percent i don't i'm not a mathematician but the, the point is that they're lowering their confidence and i think that's huge regardless of what the number is i i think reflecting on that analyzing it as the interlocutor and actually verbally telling you a change like that's a huge step and I, I don't that's not something that people do often and it's not something that is easy to do there's a lot of times a lot of emotional connection and lot, lots of stuff involved in that so i don't think that's anything to to scoff at i don't I'm not saying that he is but uh he kind of is maybe i don't i don't know <laughs> We'll continue is that if you ask somebody how confident are you that a god exists and they say i'm 95 percent confident that a god exists and then you talk to them for five minutes and you say how confident are you now and they say "Ooh, i'm 72 percent confident did you lower their confidence rate i i think i think so i mean if they he say that skeptical. they're yeah <laughs> i don't get why i'm confused like if they say they did, their, their confidence is lowered. If they say they were 90 and now they're 72 or whatever, they their confidence lowered probably unless they're lying to you. But I don't see why they lie to you because usually when you're yep. having these conversations, they kind of want to convince you. They don't want to be, admit like, oh, I'm not so sure now. That's something that they usually don't want to willingly admit. So yeah, I'm a little lost. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. mean, epistemic humility is not like a common trait, I would say. Right. Um, and that, I, w w as soon as he makes a comment that's been living in my head rent free for the past week, we'll, we'll get into it more. But it's, it seems, I'm not sure what Matt is um, not seeing in street epistemology and what he is seeing as far as the value from it but maybe he elaborates a little more. I don't remember here. I mean, I think Matt's also like a, I mean, he's a debater. I mean, he's, he's a, but he's a convince them of X kind of mentality, not necessarily make them go home and think about X. I mean, to a certain degree, I'm sure he is like, I mean, he obviously did a call in show for a million years and like, I mean, he has a long game for sure, but I think he'd rather try to, do the full convincing and then hope if there's anything left over it's a, just mm -hmm. one thing <laughs> all right we'll continue on maybe maybe they were always 72 percent confident and they just like to say they were 95 percent confident because we know people are likely to over report things and if they're not that that part i don't really understand i mean that could be the whole like uh i'm a part of this religious organization and if i don't say i'm 100 percent confident or 90 percent with his example um you know they're gonna disband me uh, they're not gonna like me i'm not gonna be a part of this group anymore or whatever and i, and I totally understand that but i mean it i don't know i i think it's unlikely that people report um disingenuously report their confidence or even unknowingly i don't know were they always 72 percent confident I, I don't know on that i'm I... yeah is it true that people often over report their confidence 
how how would we know that? Is that like a is that like a psychology? Is that like a staple in psychology that I'm not aware of that people do that? Well, I'm, I don't know. You, you say that ninety six percent of statistics are made up on the spot, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would be really interested into knowing what Matt's thought process on that is. I don't I don't understand it. I I wish I wish you would have explained it here because. I mean, but the, the the confidence scale is the tool, not the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, the confidence scale is to get them to reflect. It's is a, uh, a a tool to have them say, okay, this mentality I had about this one idea, I realize doesn't actually work, or it works for other things too, and so it's not actually exclusive for this, and so the it's the scale just shows that they have to re-examine. It doesn't change who they are, or change their beliefs, really. It's, it's just a tool to help visualize the fact that the epistemology, the ideas, are the important thing, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I would share that opinion. So we will continue on. 92% confident to start a conversation and 75% confident at the end of it you didn't create an atheist. You didn't create a skeptic. You didn't give anybody any tools. All you did was teach them, hey, maybe I should be a little more careful about how I report my confidence. And that. Okay, that's the sentence that's lived rent free in my head for the past week is you didn't give anybody any tools. And like David was just saying, the confidence scale is one of those tools. And it's, it's one of many, like Pierce was saying at the beginning of this video how to build and maintain good rapport. Um, how, like, how, what are good questions to ask to get to the epistemology of somebody's reasoning? Yeah. I can outsider think of- Outsider test. Yeah, outside, that's a fantastic one. I, I, I genuinely, I've been thinking about this so much, I genuinely do not understand what Matt is saying here. I don't know if we're using the same definition for the word tools because it seems to me that he recognizes a the value in street epistemology and b that it can cause people to critically reflect on their reasoning aren't is that not a tool is that not a thing that we can use once we leave the conversation i don't get it i'm gonna go ahead pierce i i I think giving someone the ability to take a look at this method or reason and compare it against, uh, you know, something else that someone else has come to a different conclusion and, you know, reflect on the reliability of that. You know, I think that's really big, really huge and, and teaches critical thinking. And if that's not a tool, I'm not sure what, what really is. Um, what were you going to say, David? Well, I was going to say when I when I first started getting into street epistemology, actually, I, I was pretty averse to the confidence scale because it, it felt at the at, when I first kind of saw it at first glance, I, I did kind of have that impression that it was just a kind of a tool to it almost seem like a win lose situation. And I was really hesitant to even like consider using it whenever I was talking to people. Uh, I had long talks with like uh, Mark Solomon and a few people to, to about whether or not it's uh, necessary or not. 
But uh, over time, I've seen people use it in, in the ways I was describing earlier. And it's kind of changed my mind on that. It was, I mean, they, it was not the focus. It was just part of the process, not the ultimately like, like I discovered, but it took time. But, but my first impression was confident scale, win-lose situation. Um, and uh, I can get why that impression comes. And, and this might be an unpopular opinion in the SE community, but I don't think the confidence scale is even com really necessary. I've had conversations where I've completely forgotten to ask the confidence, yeah. and they've been fantastic conversations. And um, I, the way I do it is I don't even really use the scale. I just ask them how confident they are. And, you know, nine out of 10 times, they give me a number anyways. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't really. Yeah, I I selfishly use the tool for myself. I it, it doesn't really matter what the number they give me is. It's a good place for me to use as a jumping off point of like, first of all, um, how confident do they seem? And then it, it allows me room for the questions of like, cool, what would bring you from a 70 to an 80 or an 80 to a 70? Yeah. How come you're not at a 90? It's just, uh, it's, it's it's a selfish it, it's for me I, I don't use it for them but it's it's a i think it's a great tool for anybody to use my wife uses it in her work with her she manages teams of developers and will ask them what their confidence is that they'll be able to get a particular set of work done in a particular set of time and if she gets a bunch of low confidence answers she'll remove work from the pile so it's not only an SE tool, it's something that anybody can use anywhere for multiple reasons. Yeah, definitely not the main part of SE. <laughs> right. Fantastic. One th last thing I wanted to comment before we continue is he said that you haven't created a skeptic. And I just want to point out that I think that theists can actually be skeptics. I know that that might not be a um, popular opinion maybe among atheists, but I, I think I've met plenty of theists that I would definitely consider uh, skeptics. So I think sure. you might be using that as a dichotomy, but I just, I don't think it is. Mm -hmm. I agree. Right. We will continue on. That is very good and very important, but it's not a debate. What I do isn't always a debate either, but that's not my fault. No, that was it. Um, yeah, SE is not a debate. I completely agree with that. Uh, he seems to be, the way he says it, the inflection in his voice makes me seem to think that he thinks debating is much better. At least that's what I got out of it. I could be wrong. Um, that's just my interpretation. Um, but I don't, I don't see debating as being more effective. I, I think his goal is to, to change minds. And I don't know if he said it here. I think he might have said it uh, several minutes later into this video. I did watch a little bit more into it. And uh, he said that it wasn't necessarily about the person he's debating, but about the audience watching. Mm -hmm. yeah. And well, it's, it's definitely true that minds can be changed with debating the person yeah. you're debating, the audience. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I, I think the audience has a more potential for changing in SE rather than a debate. Yeah. And just for the same reasons as if it was the person that you're talking to. 
if the audience is using the same reason as the interlocutor, right? They might connect with that and they might be like, I never really thought of it that way. And it might. Yeah. Yeah, it's also like, what's the value you're trying to get out of it? Because when I, like, I, I love Matt and I've watched his debates for years. I think he's great at it, but it is, it's not the type of thing that you watch to glean epistemological questioning from. It's the type of, first of all, it's great entertainment usually, but then it's also like, and I hate to say it like this, but a lot of it is for people that want to be right about things is that a fair way to interpret it like i mean a lot of it's more analytical type of yeah. arguments you know philosophy and, and theology and, and more grander um type of claims that are oftentimes less personal and more just uh out there and it's almost like uh you know that's the architecture of the building it holds the building up but street epistemology is uh, about how the furniture is arranged, about uh, uh, how the people live in there. It's, 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 it feels more intimate. It feels more like uh, discussing. It, it's like somebody's trust. You're, you're trusting each other to talk about personal things as opposed to talking about concepts that are far off. Mm -hmm. Almost, in my opinion. Yeah, I kind of liken it to like trash TV. And I don't mean to like degrade debate in any way, but it's um it can be like tasty junk food for your brain in the same way that trash tv yeah. is where se is more like you're watching two philosophers sit down and have a conversation like a very cordial conversation yeah i think i understand that analogy and i think i agree with it yeah. um well i guess uh i don't know that i have too many other Comments. Do you guys have anything more to add? Shout out to all the people in the live chat. That's nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was just, it, it's disheartening to me to hear Matt, and, and I really don't want to be misinterpreting him, and it's it's very possible that I am, but it seems to me, on like, on the one hand, he'll explicitly state the value that he does see in SE, and then turn around and kind of poo-poo on it right after the fact. And I don't I mean, know if my, he's my meaning to do that. guess on it. I mean, the guy's busy. I mean, he he travels a lot. He, he's on a lot of shows. He does all this stuff. And Essie's a long game type of mentality. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. it's long form. And so, I mean, to, you don't get, you don't even see the results a lot of times uh, in, in SE videos. You're more or less seeing the process and the, the seeds of results, whereas like a debate is a lot of times it's kind of can be proofed, you know, uh, if A, then B, and then C, you, uh, you got syllogisms and all that fun stuff. It can be immediate. Um, mm. and I mean, to, to spend hours and hours and hours watching a bunch of SE content whenever you're already immersed in a giant world of everything else. I mean, it's, it's similar for a lot of just the working class and everyday people of the world. I mean, SE's a long form thing at this point, and it's just kind of hard to commit to. Kind of got to be thirsty for it. Mm. Well said. Yeah. I said check a Discord. <laughs> All right. Well, I 
think that's uh well i guess one last thing i want to say is i think maybe we have differing goals from matt del hunty i don't i don't know i'm not entirely sure what his it's hard to tell goals. right yeah. yeah i don't know what exactly what his goals are i i would lean towards him being more of an activist um than anything else i, I could be off by that i don't know that's my interpretation but uh, and I don't know about you guys per se, but I don't know that I'm active, an activist for atheism or against any type of theism. Yes, yeah. I just don't. I mean, I want people to reflect. I want people to believe in, you know, as many true things as as possible, as little false things as possible. But really, I I would just rather be a teacher of critical thinking, and get people to reflect, get people to. Uh, really think about why they have beliefs, why they formed them, if they should hold on to them, what yeah. could convince them that a belief isn't true. And, Maybe it's uh, empathy that, for people who think different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, sometimes it's not even about any of that. Maybe it's just about the people that, uh, that we meet along the way and the experience of that. That is fun. 